on this episode of TR Talk. What happened at Stratton, with the reason all these kids were able to succeed is because I changed them, not by motivation. The motivation was there every day, but here's the thing. I changed who they were. I really did change them. I made them into weapons. Now, unfortunately, it was weapons for bad back then, right? Now, I, I only focus on doing things for, you know, for good, you know, and ethical, and so on and so forth, right? But the point was, I turned these kids who were not salespeople, who had never thought that they were capable of greatest. Folks, the time has come. Jordan, the Wolf of Wall Street, Belfort, is here on TR Talk. This is Ryan Warner. I'm here with my co-host Tommy Tahoe Alamo. And folks, this is it. Let's get into it. Now, here's how we're going to break this thing down. We got part one today and part two coming out on Thursday. Part one is the way of the wolf, where we get into this maniac's mindset, how he thinks about failure, how he thinks about entrepreneurship, and he has some real value to provide, all right? And then part two is stories from Stratton, where we go to the insanity. This is the movie Wolf of Wall Street on fucking steroids. All right. So sit back, get your popcorn and get ready to hear from the one and only Jordan Belfort. Now, before we take you to the interview, I want to give a quick shout out to our TR Talk fan of the week, Bill Golden Boy Henry. He just had his second kid, one of my mentors and one of the best salespeople I know, Bill Henry. Thank you for sharing the Huffington Post article. Keep being you, baby. We appreciate it. As always, this is TR Talk, where we interview leaders in their field to help millennials fast-track their personal development. Now, let's take you to the interview in Manhattan Beach, California, with the Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort. Jordan, how are we doing? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you guys? Doing great. Excited for the conversation today. Oh, listen, me too. I always... uh. I always love talking. So, like, you know, some people have a fear of like public speaking. I have a fear of not public speaking. So, you know, <laughs> this is my thing. So, shoot, ask me anything you want. Perfect. Well, I think just to get things started, right, y- your life's been well documented. But one thing that's clear to Tom and I is you have an insane ability to manifest whatever you want just through self belief and, and hard work, whether you're selling snow cones on the beach, you know, going door to door, selling lobsters, or founding Stratton Oakmont. And so right. we'd love to go way back, back to your childhood to learn, you know, where does that ambition and drive for money come from? You know, I, I, for as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be rich. I just, I, I did, I can't, you know, I've obviously, this is a, something I've thought about long and hard. And, and in my books, I've always, you know, have a throwaway line, you know, I've wanted to be a millionaire for as far back as I can remember, basically. And also been sort of like a born entrepreneur since I emerged my mother's womb. But in truth, you know, there's really, there's no such thing as a born entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship has rules and strategies that you have to learn. I guess I was born with the, with the uh, sort of natural inclination to take risk. Um, and, um, also because I wanted nice things, um, some people, you know, there's two sides to this. You have like sort of a vision for your future, which is, you know, how do you see the world in five or 10 years from now better than it is today? Like what's, where are you going? Not, you know, goals. I'm talking bigger than that, a real vision for your future. Then you also have your standards, meaning what are the things in life that you will not settle for less than your, your musts, so to speak. So a lot of people have these shoulds, right? I should do this. I should make money. I should work hard. You know, your musts are the things that you end up accomplishing. So I guess for me, I had very high financial standards, you know, from A, growing up 
not poor, but, you know, middle class, lower middle class, and yet close enough to wealth. So I saw it. I was able to see it, and I was highly educated. And I noticed that my parents were brilliant, incredibly smart, hardworking, highly educated, both went to grad school, and broke. They, you get it? So, and, I, and I realized very early in life that money or success, wealth, whatever how you want to define it, is not directly related to your education, to your intellect, um, you know, and to the other things I mentioned. The point is that there's other things involved. What are those things? And, and I linked up very early in life that, number one, my parents were risk-averse. They never wanted to take any risk. And without risk, right, um, it's very difficult to get ahead. Everything is risk, especially starting a new venture. That's number one. Number two, they were sales-averse. They thought that sales was evil. They hated salespeople. They hated to sell themselves. They really were, it's how proud they are of me, right? So I mean, they just really were <laughs> against it, right? So I, I realized very early on that, wow, okay, you can have all these great qualities, all these great skills, but if you're not willing to go out there and take a risk, and if you don't know how to close the deal, speak to people, very hard to make a lot of money. So that's, I think, what kind of goes into my, my beliefs about what, what goes into becoming successful. In terms of you know, what were my core beliefs that sort of allowed me to manifest things? You know, that, that's a good question. It really is. And my wife, it's funny, you know, Anne, um, she uses terms like manifest and energy. She says, I've never seen it. Because, you know, you guys bring up a good point. I do have this weird ability or just a track record of like sort of these out of control things that you wouldn't think are possible. And I make them happen by almost force of will. Now, I'm not the only one that can do that, right? Steve Jobs at even a bigger level, right? Like his, his um, you know, reality distortion field, so to speak, right? Where, you know, you, you, you believe in the impossible and you make the impossible possible, right? So there's, there's, there's many successful people. I think, in fact, most successful people have that ability. Some more pronounced than others. Now, I have it very pronounced. It's obvious. And also, it's documented because of the, of the movie and stuff, right? So people got to watch me go from rags to riches, back to rags, and now back to riches again. So they say, wow. I mean, like, that's, that's just insane. But it's not just me. There's many, many people like that. And, you know, my wife will say it's the manipulation of energy, right? You know, you know how to manifest. That. And to me, it's a bit more pragmatic. There are certain skill sets I possess. There are certain beliefs that I have about taking risk. Um, about taking action, um, and also to understand that everything I do, every venture I get into, will require specialized skills, and I'm willing to take the time to learn those skills. And I think that's one of the things that people forget, is that when they go into something, there's going to be specialized skills, information you're going to learn, and if you're not willing to put the time in to actually learn the things that you need to learn, know the things you need to know, get with the people you need to be, to be with, right? I don't care how smart you are or how great your idea is, you're not going to be a one-person army. So you have to have others involved and have specialized knowledge involved. And then, once you have that, with the core skills of entrepreneurship and the beliefs in taking risk and taking action, that's a recipe for success. Does that make sense? No, it does. And, and I think just to summarize, right, it's hard work. It's an insane belief in yourself. But it's also something I think you, you glossed over probably just because it's innate to you is you know, when you encounter an obstacle or you encounter a challenge such as you know going bankrupt at the age of 25 or you know, L.F. Rothschild. 23. 23, excuse me. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you just keep on going. So like, take us back to when you know, maybe Black Monday, you get laid off from L.F. Rothschild or even when you were 23, you went bankrupt. Yeah. How did yeah, you sure. not just stew in that and you went on to bigger and better things? That's incredible. Well, so I think that here's, here's the, it's a very good point. So I think what really hurts many, many people 
is that when they fail, when they have a setback, and that setback could be for your own mistakes, like for instance, in my first real business, which was the meat and seafood business, and I went bankrupt to 23, right? I went bankrupt because of mistakes I made in business. I was a great salesperson. I naturally knew how to sell and, more importantly, train others to sell. I had this gift of really just training people, and I used that gift to build a sales force of 26 people, thinking that, oh my God, if I just could sell and get all these people to sell with me, I'll be rich. And the reason I believed that is because I'd seen it happen to myself on the beach when I sold ices when I was 16 or 17. Thing is, the fundamentals of that business were so strong. You know, buy something for seven cents, sell for a dollar, right? Sell out every single day, no over. So all the things that it just seemed to be so easy to make money that I went into this business not understanding the rules of entrepreneurship and also the rules that go with something I call failing elegantly. Knowing how to take a risk, you know, take a stab at something and do it in a way that when you're wrong, which will be a lot, you minimize on the financial loss, on the time loss, but you maximize on the lessons that you learn. Because that's really what the lessons are in the failures. You learn so much more when you fail than when you succeed. So that, that bankruptcy that I went through was my essentially business school. But I, I emerged from that knowing business and understanding what not to do and also what to do. Now, getting back to what many people, the mistake they make is that when you're going through that, and you're feeling the pain of bankruptcy and the embarrassment and, you know, just it sucks. It just, right? It, you have no money. It's pressure financially for your family. You have a tendency to apply the wrong meaning to the experience. And that's what most people do. They, they make a mistake. They go bankrupt and they just take a setback and think, oh, maybe I'm not meant to be an entrepreneur. Maybe I'm just, you know, should work for someone else. Business is not for me. Or what was I thinking? You know, all these sort of, and be, the way you interpret the experience is the meaning you apply. That meaning is arbitrary. You can say whatever you want to yourself. You could say, wow, I failed because I didn't know the rules of entrepreneurship. Next time I better learn those rules, right? Or you could say, oh, I failed because I'm just an idiot. You know, I'm, I don't know how to do business. I'm not, let me just work for someone else. I'm a great salesman, I'll be a salesman. So, so many people, when they fail, they apply the wrong meaning to the failure rather than saying, okay, this is a, a failure. What can I learn from this? How do I grow from this? There's nothing wrong with me. In fact, I'm stronger now from this failure because I know more. I know what not to do. And then you take action again in a new business. So many people give the wrong meaning. For me, I did actually apply the wrong meaning in the beginning. And I almost didn't go into the brokerage business. I was scared. I said, you know what? Maybe I'm just a great salesman. But I broke through that. And that's what most successful people do. They break through their limiting beliefs. Those that aren't successful, they don't. They get held back by their limiting beliefs. So the key is just to know that when you're going through the pain, don't apply the wrong meaning. Step outside yourself, be logical, and apply the empowering meaning to the experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's that's awesome. And so when you talk about um, failure, right, and you, you, it's almost as if you're detaching yourself from the situation to examine it, audit it, why did I fail, where can I get better? Were you in the past or even now, you know, working with, you know, mentors or colleagues or other people that you trusted that would, would help guide you on that? Or is it more so instinctual that you could put yourself on the right path afterwards? Not, not really. I was never, listen, I'm a big believer in mentors, just so you know. I think they're great. I think you should always have a mentor. Unfortunately, I didn't, right? I was young and I, I didn't have that, that, um, that sort of knowledge yet, right, of, the, of how important a mentor would be. So I made so many mistakes that, you get it, I walked off a cliff thinking it all made sense. And here's the thing, when it comes to failing elegantly, most of the rules are counterintuitive. 
the things that you have to do, they don't make sense when you think it logically until you go thin. You say, oh, but it makes perfect sense. And also, this other mirror of that is succeeding wildly. What do you do when the business is right? How do you take a small business and blow it up, right? Those are very different courses of action as a business person. You got to know both, right? So, I mean, for me, back in the day, I wish I would have had meds. I didn't. I was never a big believer in mentors, but now as an older business person, yes, I, it's, it's a must for people. You know, just kind of sticking on that, right? If, if you had to mentor some of our listeners now and tell them, you know, some advice, right? And most of our listeners are, you know, 20-somethings, hardworking, millennial working professionals, just on the grind, hustling. You know, what would you, what would you tell them from a mentorship perspective? Well, number one, okay, um, you know, my new book, and I don't care whether they buy my book or not. I don't need the money, thank God. But, I, but one thing, I wrote this book. The Way of the Wolf, The Straight Line System, right? I wrote the book to serve as a guide to people, especially young people. I know my audience, right? I have this unbelievable, amazingly loyal, great bunch of people that grew up with the movie, right? They watched it when they were probably 17 or 16 or 15, right? And the last event I did, I was like shocked at all the kids that had like, they were like 22, now they're in the workplace, right? In the workforce, and they're successful, they're trying to become successful. These kids were 15 when the movie came out, 16, right? So, you know, that's a, a responsibility I have. It's an awesome one to make sure, A, that I give them good information, and B, that it's ethical and honest. They don't mis- make the mistakes I made. I wrote the book to really serve as a, a, essentially a Bible for how you become a master influencer, a salesperson. And that's the first thing. You, if you do not know how to close the deal, if you don't know how to influence, persuade, to, whether it's to be a salesperson or it's to raise money, to hire the right people. When you're in business... Everything is about selling yourself, selling your vision for the future, you know, to get the right people to work for you. That's the most crucial thing in a startup, right? Getting great people. A business is about the people. The idea is the idea. There's good ideas. There's great ideas, right? And there's okay ideas. Well, here's what I'll tell you for sure. A great bunch of people will take a bad idea and figure out how to make a pivot and make it good. A bunch of morons will take the best idea and fuck it up. Bottom line, right? So it's about the people. So how do you get great people? Well, it's about them believing in you, your ability to sell your idea to them, sell the concept, sell your vision for the future. Most people lack a vision for the future. They don't have a vision, and they're all thirsty for one. Every human being is thirsty for a vision. So what do they do? They buy into someone else's vision. If you, you have, if you want to be a world-class entrepreneur, you have to be able to sell your vision to other people in a way that moves them to take action, whether it's to give you money in, in, a, in a capital raise, to come work for you as an employee, to give you great terms as a, a supplier because they believe in you. It's the, it's the most linchpin skill that an entrepreneur can have. And I wrote this book to essentially serve it to people on a, on a silver platter. Now, that being said, it's certainly not the only skill you need, right? That, I, mean, I made that mistake in my meat business. I was a great salesperson, great trainer, but I lacked the other skills too. But I will tell you this, I don't care what you do, what line of work you're in, business, personal, whether you're trying to you know, sell yourself to a, a woman or a man like as a partner for life, right? In a relationship, whether it's you know, anything, doesn't matter, getting your kids to make their bed, do their homework, the value of education. I mean, it just cuts to life. And if you don't have this skill, let me just tell you something, you're screwed. Everybody who listens to this, Google Warren Buffett persuasion. There's a, the video where him and Bill Gates did um, a symposium for like 5,000 college students. It's about maybe 10 years ago. And he was asked a question by uh, an Asian woman, maybe 25, 26. And she said, what could I do? What could we do here? All those you know, people, young adults, what could we do 
to make ourselves more successful, to literally help us, you know, you know, tip the, the balance in our favor. And what Warren Buffett said, you would think you say, well, learn how to trade stocks, learn how to buy companies, learn how to recognize value. No. What he said was the best way you can increase your own value. Let's say you're a, a million, you're an asset, right? You're a million dollar asset, right? So right now is what Warren Buffett said. I'll pay you 10% of, I'll pay you 10% for all your future earnings. So I'll give you a hundred grand now for 10% of your future earnings. That's what you're worth. You're worth a million bucks, right? And everyone starts to laugh. And he goes, if you want to increase your value, go and take a course in sales and persuasion and communication. Learn how to influence people. And you know what? You'll increase your value by 500 grand. Come to the back, I'll give you $150,000. You get it? Yeah. yeah. So, so Warren Buffett said, of everything, and he goes, this is what he did. When he got out of school, the first, he was a terrible communicator. And he's a, by the way, he's, he's a great salesman, Mark. He's unbelievable, the guy, right? Every, you can hang on his every word. Now, he's not selling you, so to speak, but he's selling you on his vision for the future. You get it? On the belief in him. Right. So this guy's world class. He took a course. In, back then, it was Dale Carnegie. He was the gold standard in the 50s, right? And it, he said it changed his life because it, it taught him how to go out there and speak to people and communicate and close. Without that, you know what Warren Buffett would be today? the most successful money manager in Omaha, Nebraska that no one ever heard of. <laughs> True. He'd still be successful. He'd be successful, right? He had other skills, but he would have never been able to do what he did because no one would listen to him. Your, your idea, the idea you have, any, if you're listening to this, the, whatever idea you have, whatever your goal is, your vision, right? That idea, let's say it's worth X. When you go to someone else and you explain the idea, based on how you do that, it can be worth 10x in their mind or one-tenth of x. Your ability to explain the idea, to translate, to transmit the value to someone else, it either multiplies the value of the idea or detracts from it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's yeah. perception it's, is reality. Well, um, exactly. Well, and, and, and if you can't explain it, it's, you know, what's it worth, right? So right. look at, I mean, even people that you don't think are salesmen, like Zuckerberg is a brilliant salesperson, the guy. Look, look what he did. I mean... And he wasn't in life a salesperson, but as, as a visionary and his ability to communicate with, with people, right? In business, he had that gift. You have to have it. So I would say that, you know, every person you should buy the book, it's cost you nothing, a few bucks, right? I mean, it's the bit, you know, people, it's amazing. People will spend more money on their fucking dogs and cats than they'll spend on themselves. You know, invest in yourself. And I, I'm a big believer in specialized knowledge. Knowledge is the real estate of the 21st century. You gotta know shit, right? And without it, you just, you're screw, you're flying blind. So that's step one, okay? And then step two, find a mentor in the field that you're going into. Whatever field you're going into, whatever your, 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 your idea, find someone that is very close to what you've done that's already done it and been successful in that field and has the ability that will spend the time to communicate with you and support you. You know, you might have a great guy, but he won't give you the time. That's worth nothing, right? Find a mentor and also find a model. Start off and model someone else's business idea. There's models out there for everything. Nowadays, everything's on the internet. You can always sort of reverse engineer what someone else did. It's not that difficult. So whatever business I go into now, I always start with a model that I look for other places to find it. If not, I'll invent it, but I choose to find it somewhere else to start and then tweak it as I go along. That's awesome. That, that, that's great knowledge and, and great insight for the audience. So I want to actually put a pin on something that you were talking about a few minutes ago when you were talking about folks having the thirst for knowledge and a, and a thirst for vision. So 
you know, kind of going back to the days when you were hiring, at least from the depiction of the movie, it seemed like when you were hiring at Stratton Oakmont, it was kind of a ragtag group of, of individuals that you helped to motivate and train um, as, you know, great salespeople. Um, so I'm curious, like, either back then or now today, what you look for uh, when you're hiring, uh, if there's any traits or anything like that. Well, it obviously depends on what I'm hiring for. You know what I'm saying? If I'm looking to hire a salesperson, I mean, it depends on the industry. You know, I, I, I prefer salesmen who have never been salesmen before. I like to train them myself. That's me, right? Mm-hmm. That's a skill set. That's like core skill set is training salespeople. So I don't mind. You know, you know I, I'll take someone who's young and hungry. However, that being said, you know, there are many situations out there that, you know, someone that has connections within an industry and or sold in the industry. That, that could be a huge thing. I'll give you an example. I was in consulting for some company that was in the real estate business, right? Um, and, you know, we were looking to hire salespeople and one came along who was the number one mortgage broker in the country. And, you know, whether a good salesman, bad, whatever, it was an okay salesperson. But the point was he had a book of people that were directly in the sweet spot, customers we wanted, he already had in a different industry. You get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and it was related enough so it was congruent for him to call them so it could have built on what he was doing. So that person, you know, of course I'm going to go after that person in a situation where I can get a springboard effect, right? But all in all, I, I don't look at someone having sales experience in terms of that, the skills they possess. A lot of times they have bad habits. I'd rather train them from scratch and stratton Back in the day, I wouldn't take people that were brokers at other places because I wanted to home grow them to build the loyalty. It was key to shape them. You know, I wanted young kids um, who didn't have any, you know, training before any bad. And Wall Street's a fucked up place. I mean, like, you know, there's so much shit people steal each other's brokers. So for me, it was about this sort of cult-like um, atmosphere that we developed. And, and, you know, there was things I did to, to motivate them on a daily basis. And I'm, a, you know, listen, the, the key to motivation um, you know, you don't do it every once in a while. It's got to be every day. You know, I did it twice a day. And, and by doing that, you know, and, and here's the thing with those kids. They started off, and this is an important point. They started off as ragtag kids. They did. And they really were. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, very often, here's the irony, is that sometimes when people, mo- mo- have it most of the time, it's pretty scary, people that are not taking action or they have limiting beliefs, like they don't, they're scared to take action and go into business. You know what? A lot of times it's true. Like they, they shouldn't go and they get their fucking morons. They, they don't have, they, no, it's true. They don't have the skills. They're not that smart. Really, there's a lot of people who are not that smart, okay? They have no edge. They have no connections, you know? And so their brain, as a self-protective mechanism, they say, you know, here's what happens. When they have an, an idea or they see an opportunity, the way the brain works and makes decisions, it future paces. It runs two parallel movies. It says, wow, if I go out and do that, you know, and I'm wrong, how bad is my life going to be? What's it going to cost me? How much? What's the impact on my family, myself, business, personal life, everything, right? And then at the same time runs another movie saying, what if I'm right? What if I imagine if this thing works, how great would my life be? But the problem is, is the brain is smart and when you're running that movie, if you can't really see yourself, if you don't believe that you have what it takes, and, and you don't, by the way, and you don't have what it takes, and you're actually lacking skills, right? You will not take, you'll, you'll say, no, you'll, you won't say it, 
You will never see, see the brain is protective of your own ego. So you never say, I'm not doing it because I suck or I'm an idiot. You'll say, oh, I'm uh, too busy. I don't want you to let you get it. You'll, you'll de dissemble it. So you'll never get to the truth. That's what people do. They just, they come up with reasons why they can't take action. I'm too old. I'm too young. It's the wrong time of year. The government, this, fucking that, blah, blah, blah. It's Groundhog's Day, the fucking tooth, tooth fairy set, whatever the, the reasons they come <laughs> up with, right? And I've heard them all, why they can't go out and get the life they want. And at the end of the day, that the story, it's a story that you tell yourself. It's a narrative you create to protect protect yourself from the truth, which is I am a moron. Seriously. Or I am not I am not capable to sell of selling. I am I have no specialized knowledge. I did terrible in school. I'm lazy. This is, all, this is true. Now I'm not saying probably most of the people on this podcast are not like that. Why well, you, you get it by by the de definition, they're on the podcast looking to learn different class of people. You follow me? They're thirsty for knowledge. They're not that group, but there are many people, don't kid yourself. The world is not full of people who are motivated. Most people are not, right? So but here's the point. For the people on this podcast, many of you might be really smart. You did great in school. You have great ideas, great ideas, right? You have a vision for the future that makes sense. It's burning desire. And you want to do the work, work hard. And you wonder why you can't get off the mark. Like, what is it that, that's sort of holding you back from, you say, like, you know, Jordan, you've been able to always go out there and succeed. And, well, here's the thing. You know, when I run those parallel movies, everyone, you always, everyone does it. You, you, if I'm right, what happens if I'm wrong, right? Risk, risk, reward. What's going to happen? And the brain is so smart to project it out. When I run those movies, I never say to myself, you know what? I don't see myself succeeding because of me. If, if I don't succeed, it's because the business sucked or something happened. It wasn't because I lacked a skill. I never thought that. I, I could see myself being, the, if someone's going to do it, it'll be me because I, I have specialized skills. Meaning, A, and the number one is sales, the ability to persuade. And that's so important. It gives me an edge on everyone, right? And also now, of course, all the business skills I learned along the way, connections. Now, let's go back to, to um, a young person, 22, right, who's done well in school, who's smart, is industrious, has a good idea. But they're not a salesperson. They're not the sort of person that really can motivate and lead and, and take charge, right? Well, when they run that movie, they, they don't have the self-belief. And that voice in the back of the head stops them from running that movie or they'll still blunt the movie. They'll take away the color, the passion of it, and the negative movie overtakes it. So they don't take action. They tell themselves a story and they never go for it. And they live a smaller and smaller life. And they'll start feeding on each other with self, you know, these limiting beliefs start to feed each other. You have smaller and smaller, right? So here's the thing. What happened at Stratton with the reason all these kids were able to succeed is because I changed them. Not by motivation. The motivation was there every day. But here's the thing. By teaching them the straight line system, mm -hmm. I changed who they were. I really did change them. I made them into weapons. Now, unfortunately, it was weapons for bad back then, right? Now, I, I only focus on doing things for, you know, for good, you know, ethical, and so on and so forth, right? But the point was, I turned these kids who were not salespeople, who had never thought that they were capable of greatness, any greatness they... Listen, most people, the parents never told them they were capable of greatness. And any greatness they had in them naturally had been essentially beaten out of them since they, they were born. First by their parents, then by their friends, their school teachers, the media, the world, right? So by the time they're 22, 23, they have all these limiting beliefs. And they say to themselves, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't see myself going out there and being a leader and so forth, right? Now, I'm sure you guys don't have that because you're already... Being on, you already started your own business. You did, you took action. You did something, right? When, the reason you did is you ran the movie. Said, you know what? I can do this. I, I'm gonna. We have the skills. We're gonna make a success. People that 
don't know how to go out there and talk to people and persuade, they will not take action because they shouldn't take action. Because without the skill, you can't succeed. It's the all way, about self-belief, isn't it? Well, <laughs> no, it's also about reality. In other words, it can't, you can't have self-belief if it's not true. This is the point. And this is a very important point that most, some people, they lack self-belief and they possess the skills. That's rare. That's a rare thing. That people that have it usually will overcome it. Most people, they actually don't have the skills. They are naturally not good at selling. A lot of the times it's because of communication. They have a flawed internal communication platform that makes it so they really can't express their ideas and they don't see themselves as a, that person. This is, how much of, of a CEO and a leader is about get, put yourself out there and be able to talk and move and groove, right? And these people, there's so many of them out there, they have, they're brilliant, they're hardworking, they're smart, but they're blocked. They're blocked from believing in themselves so they don't know how to communicate, they don't know how to sell, close the deal, and in all its forms, not as a salesperson, but to raise money, you get it, just to be a, a business person, an entrepreneur, you need to have the skill. So when I gave these kids this intense training of the straight line system and I turned them into world-class salesmen, guess what? Not only did they become Richard Stratton, but they all went on, even after Stratton closed, to become successes in many other, you get it? They ch it changed who they were as people. You must do the work. It's not just about self-belief. You gotta do the work too. Hell yeah. Part one of our interview with JB down in the books. Great insight on visualization there. Coming up two days from now, we have part two with The Wolf, the stories from Stratton. It is the Wolf of Wall Street movie times a gazillion. He breaks into his what a day in the life was like in 93, and it is raunchy, it's outrageous, and you don't want to miss it, folks. It is really insane. Um, if you'd like to support the TR Talk podcast in the meantime, please head on over to iTunes. Be one of the 56 people to give us a five-star review. Hit subscribe. Share it on social media. Everyone's doing it. Until next time, out.